Hi, welcome to Forever Paranormal with Dr. Bill and Deb. The term paranormal refers to phenomena and experiences that are beyond the scope of normal scientific understanding and cannot be easily explained through traditional scientific principles. These phenomena often challenge conventional beliefs and are associated with the supernatural, metaphysical, or unexplained aspects of reality. As with any field of inquiry, it is essential to approach the paranormal with an open but critical mind, relying on empirical evidence and logical reasoning to draw conclusions. It's a topic that continues to intrigue and challenge both believers and skeptics alike, and if we can connect a paranormal element to it, we'll talk about it. You'll be surprised by what all can be connected to the paranormal. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and share the show, since it would not be possible without you, our listeners. And as a public service, we would like to let everyone know that you are truly never alone, even if you think you are. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988. Please just reach out. Well, hello there everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. We're going to discuss the subject suggested by one of my best friends and a loyal listener after she made a trip to Iceland, that of the Alfar, or better known as an elf. Well, Kasha, this one is for you. Hey, Deb, how are you? Hi, well, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great this week. So, you got any uh, new and unusual stuff for us? Anything happening? I sure did find an unusual news article in AP News. Would you like to hear it? Sure, I would. Apparently on October 13th, Friday the 13th, there was a flight from Panama City to Tampa that was rerouted back to Panama City due to a suspected bomb threat or a bomb on board. And so the flight lands and they isolated on the tarmac and they disembark 144 people and they bring out the anti-explosives team with dogs and special forces and they search the plane and in one to one of the bathrooms there was an object that was you wait for it an adult diaper wait a minute that's what the suspected bomb was <laughs> yes apparently it did not go on to say whether it was used or well or not. I, I was gonna say sounds like somebody really <laughs> did drop a bomb in that bathroom oh my goodness i'm still rolling on yeah the floor. that that's hysterical <laughs> That is absolutely hysterical. Thanks for sharing that with us. That made my time here more <laughs> fun. And wow, what a thought I have in my head. That's a sight you can't unsee. No. All right. Thank you. All right. So let's get on with it. As we get into the subject, we'll cover many different aspects of elves and the lore associated with them. Elves have very deep roots in both Norse and Celtic mythology. And... Depending on which version you listen to, depends on whether the fairies are a subspecies of an elf or the elves are part of the fae folk or the fairies in Celtic lore. Here's an interesting fact about elves in Iceland. 
According to National Geographic, a study from 1998 stated more than 54% of Icelanders believe in elves, and 80% believe they could exist. However, according to a more recent survey from the University of Iceland in 2006, a whopping 62% of the people of Iceland believe in them. Okay, that's interesting, but let's listen to a little clip from a professor and some of the others from the University of Iceland in the surrounding areas. If you pay close attention, though, it sounds as the professor is kind of contradicting the study performed by the university in the amount of people that believe or don't believe. So let's go ahead and listen to it now. It's kind of unimaginable not believing in them. My grandmother had an elf friend in the rock. The elves come to me in my dreams. I'm convinced elves do exist. I'm professor of folkloristics at the University of Iceland. One of the areas of research that I've been working on is so-called elves or alvar, along with huldafolk, the hidden ones that Icelanders are so interested in. I can picture some kind of idea of a hidden person. Kind of looks like a human. They are a little bit old-fashioned clothing. They have their own society here. Emotions and feelings. They are born, grow old and die. I think they live in rocks. They can't show themselves if they choose to, but rarely do. But you never know when it will happen. You have maybe 10% say that they don't believe, and then those who say they do believe is again about 10%. But in between you have all of the rest who are maybe, possibly, probably, who knows. So if I asked you then if you think literally that they exist? <laughs> we can't say no. Yeah, you can't say no. They will but... come on us. <laughs> it's not that they believe they are worried that there might be something there when it comes down to it that you're not going to mess with. My name is Pieter Matthiasson and I'm head of communication with the Icelandic Road Administration. So this is the rock that we moved from the place of where the road is and we moved it over here. People thought that this might be an elf church and these people asked us if we could maybe move the rock. We will look into it, not because we believe so much in elves at the Road Administration. We look at it as uh, part of our uh, cultural inheritance. We know that people in the Viking times were buried in mounds which showed above the earth. As each generation goes by, the living memory of the people within the ground turns into a much more hazy idea about beings that live out of sight. The nature of Iceland makes you feel really strong emotions. A nation where your house can be destroyed by something you can't see. We naturally try to explain these things by means of personifying the, the environment. And everyone is surrounded by nature. You see the mountains, you see the ocean everywhere. The belief started because of the strong connection that we still have. Whether you believe it or not, these stories about the elves and these creatures, they teach us to respect nature. And the elves here are, for the most part, I think, respected. Should the law consider the Hultefolk? Maybe not, but I think maybe the law should try to consider what the rights, rights yeah. the nature can have, because it doesn't really have a voice. Even though it's quite outdated, maybe the Hultefolk is giving nature a voice. There are people coming from countries who've, in a sense, lost this connection, this magic. In Iceland, you can talk about the elves it makes Iceland different, and they like being different to other nations in all ways. We wanted to be like this. It would be a nicer place to live if there were hidden people there. They are so much part of the Icelandic culture that many different locations have what are called elf walks, where you can go on a guided tour to learn about them. 
There is also an official elf school where you can learn about them and get your certificate for the low price of about 70 US dollars and three to four hours of your time. Oh, and if you plan to attend, they do include all of the delicious food in the cost. Of course, it's only offered in person in Reykjavik, Iceland, but hey, remember that you're then certified in all things Elfbar. Elfbar's in Reykjavik, yeah. We might have to go there just so we can get certified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this school, though, has been open for over 30 years. And not only do you learn everything there is to know about elves, but you'll also learn about gnomes, dwarfs, fairies, trolls, and mountain spirits, as well as other nature spirits and mythical beings in Iceland and other countries. I think that's pretty cool. It sounds like a school for, what is that movie, Lord of the Rings? Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Or Harry Potter? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so anyhow, okay. When doing construction for roads and other objects, they get diverted around areas where the local people believe the elves live, or the boulder itself may get slightly moved. Heck, there is even a former member of parliament that swears his life was saved by a family of elves after a horrific car wreck. You know, in my research, I ran across one road that was delayed several times for up to 10 years or maybe over 10 years due to believed hidden people living there. Did it just go to court or something? It did go to court and it was even in court and everything else. It was was pretty wild. Mm -hmm. Their belief was pretty strong there. Yeah. And you know, it is said that messing with them in a negative way will bring you bad luck and misfortune. Even if some people don't believe in them, They don't want to take a chance, so it still happens that roads are being built are moved to go around known elf dwellings or churches instead of just bulldozing them down. For example, in Kapavogar, I I butchered (laughs) that name, the streets take a peculiar turn around the rocks on the road believed to be a hidden people community. Why, you ask? Because so many bulldozers broke down during the road's construction, they eventually just moved it. There isn't even an elf church that was relocated due to road construction, which we heard about in that little clip before. I can kind of understand the people that are on the fence not wanting to commit one way or another. Just like when we go do an EVP session in a cemetery and I try not to walk on... Uh, the graves, it's not because I believe that it's going to do anything. It's just in case it it actually happens. You know, I don't want to bring anything home just in case that's possible. I get it. Yeah, I do too. So there, there was also a news story on the Icelandic National Broadcasting Service, RUV, regarding an apartment building that was going to be built on an elf stone. When the contractors discovered this, they made the house a little smaller so the stone would be outside the building and not be harmed. There are quite a few stories like this. For example, listen to this clip from National Geographic. Okay. Many a culture is home to a mythical beast, an elusive creature that thrives in the imagination, if not verifiable reality. The Scots have Nessie, 
monstrously hiding in its highland loch. Nepal has the abominably unverified yeti. Even New Jersey has its own devil, roaming the pine barrens, hell-bent on scaring the bejesus out of unsuspecting campers. And here, in majestic Iceland, there are the elves, who you really don't want to cross, especially if you happen to be into sub-Arctic tunnel construction. Are you saying that this project is running two years late? Possibly. Possibly because of elves. It could be. Hmm. The look of a journalist trying to remain open-minded. Surely the government body overseeing Iceland's infrastructure projects can't take all of this elf rubbish seriously. Is it government policy or possibly government custom to take into account potential elf habitation when putting in roads and that sort of thing? We are not going to look at a line for a road and think maybe there are elves there or there or there. It's, it's more like if something comes up. And come up, it has. In 2013, the government allowed a new road to be delayed by apparently invisible elves inside one giant rock. And this is after the elves gave permission? Yeah, I mean, our elf lady, mm. who told us that this was probably a chapel, and there were elves living there, she said. Belief in unseen rock-dwelling elves has been around since the Vikings arrived in this country over a 1,000 years ago. Apparently, Norse beliefs die hard because an elf lady and taxpayer kroner to move a 70-tonne boulder is no big deal in this Icelandic government department. It's nice to sort of think about hidden people somewhere in the rocks and everywhere. Mm. I mean, it would be really, really nice if they were there. That was a really interesting clip, and I'll tell you, you can tell that this is very, very deep in their culture there. It's just amazing to me. But, you know, it's around the holidays that the stories of the 13 Yule Lads kick into gear, and supposedly when the elves are out roaming to find new homes. We're going to get into the Yule Lads in a bit, since they have some of the most fantastic names and meanings behind them possible. You're going to love them. All right, anyhow. But before we get too far in the elf realm, what exactly are they? Well, that depends whether we are talking about alpha folk or holdafolk. Alpha folk. I don't know if I said it right, and I'm sorry if I offend anyone. But holdafolk means hidden people. There is said to be over 50 different types of elves that live in Iceland. What? Wow. Apparently, the folk look more what we would think a traditional Christmas elf would look like. They have pointy ears, pointy shoes and may even have a bell jingling on top of their pointy hat. Think of the elf-on-a-shelf type of elf. But now, the huddle folk, on the other hand, are said to look and act a lot as we do, but are taller, skinnier, and more beautiful than the elva folk. Oh yeah, let's not forget, they're also supernatural beings. The hidden folk, as they are also called, are the most common type of elf in Iceland. It is said that Tolkien based his Lord of the Rings elves on this type of elf and their appearance. Even though they are said to resemble us, besides their size, there are still a few differences. They are said to not be as strongly built and have soft and tender flesh and narrower bones. 
Additionally, they do not have a philtrum. But generally, they just look and behave as humans do. They eat, sleep, and die like humans. But they have very much longer lives. They dance, drink, and party like humans, especially around Christmas, which is the time many people have seen their habitats brightly lit in celebration. Okay, I have to ask, and I, I think I know the answer, but what is a philtrum? That's the little crease that runs from the top of your lip to the bottom of your nose. And supposedly, they don't have one. But there's other stories that say they do, and it's protruding instead of indented like a human's. So, I haven't seen one, and until then, I can't truly answer whether they do or they don't. Okay, so that wasn't what I thought it was. Thank you. Here's a fun fact, though. Legend says the hidden people don't like to be called elves. One story goes like this. There was a woman who scolded her son for misbehaving, and she called him an elf as an insult. A holdafolk of the female persuasion heard this and went up to the mother and snarled, The hidden people are no more elves than you humans. This may be due to the Norse origins of the holdafolk. That's interesting. And then in the Prosetta, which is a 13th century old Norse textbook, Elves are usually close to the gods and often talked about in the same sentence. In Alvheimer, elf world, lived the Lysolvar, light elves, and Dokovar, the dark elves, lived in the ground and were quite different from the light elves, both in looks and temperament. It is said that the light elves were fairer looking and looked fairer than the sun, while the dark elves were darker looking and were blacker than pitch black. So, where did the elves come from, and how did they come to be? Well, like any good folklore, there are several stories on this. One says when God was coming to visit Adam and Eve, yeah, that Adam and Eve, Eve was washing her children before the visit to make them presentable, and she did not finish before God arrived. So she, said, so she hid the rest of the children. When God found out what Eve had done, he was furious and cursed the dirty children, stating, That which you have hid from me shall be hidden from all. Thus, the hidden people were created. There is always a darker side to any Christian origin story. The other Christian folk tales claim that hidden people either originate from Lilith, who is Adam's first wife, according to some Hebrew text, or are fallen angels condemned to live between heaven and hell. Hmm. In John R. Mason's folklore and fairy tales, there's also a few variations of the hidden people's origin that go like this. Like any other fairy tale, it's got to start. Once upon a time, a man was traveling. He got lost and did not know where he was going. Finally, he arrived at a farmstead he knew nothing about. There, he knocked on the door, and an elderly woman came to the door and invited him in. He accepted the invitation. The farm was fine and pleasant. The woman led the man to the living room, and there were two young and beautiful girls. He saw no more people on the farm than the elderly woman and the two girls. He was well received, giving food and drink, and then accompanied to bed. The man then asked to sleep with one of the girls, and it was allowed. Then they lay down. 
The man then wanted to turn to her, but found no physical body where the girl was. He grabbed her, but he felt nothing between his hands. But the girl was still with him in bed, so he always saw her. He then asked her, how could this be? She said, you should not be surprised, because I am a disembodied spirit. When the devil rebelled in hell in ancient times, he and all who fought with him were cast into the outer darkness. Those who watched him were cast out of heaven. But those who were neither for nor against him and did not join the rebellion were driven down to the earth and ordered to live in the hills, mountains, and rocks, and are called elves or hidden people. They cannot live with anyone but themselves and do both good and evil, and much of both. They do not have a body as human beings, but can appear to you whenever they want. I'm now one of that group of fallen spirits. So there's no hope that you can have more love for me than you already have. Well, the traveler, he accepted this explanation, and then told others of what happened to him, thus creating this version of the legend. We know that Santa is said to be an elf and is associated with Christmas, and we quickly touched base on the Yule Lads earlier. So what Icelandic holidays are associated with the Alfar? Well, there are four Icelandic holidays considered to have a special connection with the hidden people. New Year's Eve, the 13th night, which is actually on January 6th, because Christmas starts on December 24th in Iceland. Midsummer Night, and Christmas Night. There are many Icelandic folktales about elves and hidden people invading Icelandic farmhouses during Christmas and holding wild parties, so it is customary in Iceland to clean the house before Christmas. I would hope they would do that other times of year, too. <laughs> and to leave food for the hodel folk on Christmas. On New Year's Eve, it is believed that the elves move to new locations and Icelanders leave candles out to help them find their way. On Jan's Messe, or Midsummer Night, which for some reason is celebrated on June 24th in Iceland, while the rest of the world celebrates it on June 21st, the longest day of the year. Folklore states that if you sit at a crossroads, elves will attempt to seduce you with food and gifts, and there are grave consequences for being seduced by their offers, but also... Great rewards for resisting them. Well, here is a little fun fact about Midsummer's Night in Iceland. The sun sets just after midnight and rises again before 3 a.m., which means there really is no darkness, and about three hours of twilight instead. Okay, so we learned that the 13th night holiday is the start of the Christmas holiday on December 24th, so that explains why there are 13 Yule Lads. Who are the Yule Lads? Well, let me tell you something. They are definitely a group of tricksters that descend from the mountains to bring the children gifts to the well-behaved children, according to legend. The Yule Lads are the sons of a troll named Grilla. And they're a lot nicer now in folklore than they used to be, apparently, because they scared the children just too badly. And the government made them change ways. Hmm. I guess the trolls and the elves still have a strong pull in Icelandic government. 
Don't think well-behaved Icelandic kids have a sweet deal all around, however. They may enjoy 13 Santa Claus-like visits, but they also have to contend with a creature called Grilla, who comes down from the mountains on Christmas and boils naughty children alive, and a giant, bloodthirsty black kitty called the Christmas Cat that prowls around the country on Christmas Eve and eats anyone who's not wearing at least one new piece of clothing. I don't make this up. I know. I, I just reported. I can't make this kind of stuff up. This is this is great. This is amazing. But I wonder what the significance of the new piece of clothing is, unless it's associated with a bath. <laughs> I, I'm not I sure. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, getting around to their names, which are listed in the order in which they descend from the mountains. Oh, yeah. We are using the English version of the names since the pronunciation would be horrible, and I would just completely butcher it. So keep in mind that they are also tricksters, and their names definitely tells one's little trick that they pull for each one. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Sheepcoat Claude. He tries to suckle ewes in the farmer's sheep sheds. We okay. have Gollygock. He steals foam from the buckets of the cow milk. Then we have Stubby. He's short and steals food from frying pans. The next one could be helpful in a dirty house. Spoon lickers. He licks the spoons. <laughs> then comes, ready? Pot scraper, a.k.a. pot licker. He steals unwashed pots and licks them clean. Do these people not clean? <laughs> I don't know them. <laughs> this is old time folklore, right? Because then we have bowl licker. He steals bowls of food from under the bed. Supposedly, um, back in the old days, Icelanders used to sometimes store bowls of food there. I don't know, convenient for midnight snacking maybe? I'm not sure. Then we have Door Slammer. He stomps around and slams doors, trying to keep everybody awake in the house. Skyer Gobbler. He eats up all the Icelandic yogurt, which happens to be called Skyer. We have Sausage Swiper. He loves stolen sausages, of course. We have Window Peeper. He likes to creep outside windows and sometimes steal the stuff he sees inside. Folklore claims he's not a pervert peeking into windows, though. He just likes to steal stuff. Then we have Door Sniffer, who has a huge nose and an insatiable appetite for stolen baked goods. We've got Meat Hook, who snatches up any meat left out, especially smoked lamb. And last but not least, we have Candle Beggar. He steals candles, which used to be highly sought-after items in Iceland. I guess with no electricity, things like that, candles were important. Are those not some cool names or what? You like those, Deb? Yeah, they could be taken out of context in some Well, instances. they were pretty cool, and I heard you giggling over there pretty hard. Yeah. So, anyhow, I know... Personally, before I started this case file, I had no idea just how ingrained the Alvar are in the Icelandic culture. Do I believe they exist? Well, I'm not sure since I have never had any direct contact or personally seen one, but I can tell you this much. Who am I to say an entire country and their culture and what they believe in doesn't exist? What about you, Deb? What's your thoughts? Well, with... Any folklore, not just Icelandic. I, I wonder how much of it is um, 
lost in translation or skewed in tr- translation somewhere through the ages. Well, I also wonder how much is kept going because Iceland is an isolated country surrounded by water. It sits on nothing but volcanoes, constantly has earthquakes, mm-hmm. and the weather is extremely harsh. So is it just a big kept going for tourism and things like that? If so, great for them. That's a great idea. But what about you folks? We'd love to hear what you think. All of our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. So drop us a line and tell us what you think. And as always, thank you for listening. And until next time, when we discuss another tale yet to be told. This podcast has been written and produced by me, and all clips were used under the protection of the Fair Use Act. Thank you for listening, and remember to like and share the show. We would also appreciate a five-star rating wherever possible to help new listeners find the show. We welcome all questions or comments you may have about this or any other episode, and our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. You can also follow us at foreverparanormal.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash foreverparanormal. The links to these are also in the show notes of this episode. (laughs) 